This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, my name's Daryl Ong and you tune in to Banan, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. The Malaysian Super League is set to start this weekend with eight-time champions Johor Daru Takzim once again heavy favourites even before a ball has been kicked. That being said, over the last couple of seasons, their stronghold on national dominance have been loosening with Kedah coming close challenging them last season and other teams strengthening their squad with an influx of foreign talent all across the league. One exception to that blueprint is Klang Valley-based Taling Jaya City FC, who's on a mission to bring back the glory days of local football with a 100% Malaysian squad. The only team in the Super League with all local players, they start their league campaign this weekend on the 5th of March versus Malacca United. On the show with us this evening, we have the owner of PJCFC, Dato Sri Vijay Iswaran, as he tells us about this unique quest which goes against the grain of modern football. To be absolutely frank, um, I have grown up here, you know, uh, being a very proud Malaysian. And I grew up at a time where Malaysian football was essentially at its peak. In the 1970s, uh, leading into the 80s, we had a formidable team and um, you know I, I can only tell you this i was extremely proud and legends such as you know sochenan and um, you know armugam mokta dahari uh, they, they all come to mind there's so many of them you know m chandran etc and we had a team that essentially uh, threatened all of the various other teams in the continent yep you know iraq kuwait we have beaten south korea we have challenged uh, the best and i still remember the game where maradona came down stadium and, Deca, and, yeah exactly and mm. maradona was uh, essentially looked upon as an equal equal to mokta mm. it was seen as a maradona versus mokta dahari game now how much more you know uh, proud can you be so and uh, fortunately because of the fact that my uncle worked in rtm i got to go out to some of these games you know and sit on the field mm. and watch some of these players santok singh and all are still friends still today it's uh, it's a time that actually you know inspired me to the point that i felt just as uh, our former prime minister used to often say malaysia bole so when i went out to study you know abroad and um, i lived and studied in the uk in the us and i you know always proud felt proud being malaysian and always felt that malaysians could do anything so to come back here and see the state of malaysian football today was quite disappointing yeah. to say the least yeah i mean the you talk about the the glory days of malaysian football right it seems like we're past it but also dato sri you know being a fan and actually putting essentially literally putting money where your mouth is 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 a really different what what made you take that you know one step to actually really get involved and you know try to change it from within well i didn't have any major grandiose you know plans at the beginning uh, it was a very humble beginnings so i looked at the uh, malaysian football scenario and recognized the fact that there was no grassroots you know football um you see when i lived in the uk the one thing that every you know british schoolboy 
could aim for. If he wasn't going to be doctor, lawyer or engineer, he could aim to be a professional footballer or cricketer. You know, I mean, there was many things he could do, play tennis, for example, and actually be looked upon as, uh, you know, uh, equivalent in society and be proud of it. So there was nothing wrong in looking at football as a profession, Mm. as a career. Whereas here, you know, our kids are all trained to look at either doctor, lawyer, engineer, academic, etc. and so on. So I felt that, you know, for what what do the boys do who don't actually uh, perform academically? Should they not have a future? I looked at the various options that were out there and I went outside of the government programs. And that's when I came into MIFA. And MIFA was struggling to make ends meet. But what I recognized there, they had a a very efficient uh, system of recruitment scattered um, over the whole country, so to speak, uh, into a range of a few hundred schools, which they combed on a regular basis and they went down to the B40s, the B40 families. So I was impressed with what they were trying to do with the budgets that they had. Mm. So I stepped in initially to help them. And at some point along the way, MIFA actually surpassed themselves and they actually uh, were performing well, even at the Premier League. Uh, Their President Cup's team was very good. You know, the under-19s were also coming up and performing well. And uh, so I gave them a a few challenges, if you like. I said, if you make it to the Super League, then I will... uh, I didn't really expect them to pull it off, but I said... (laughs) then I'm going to come in and help you guys a lot more. Full time, yeah. Exactly. Mm. So, uh, and, and one of the gambits was to take on the, you know, the, the JDT team, and which they did. So they were uh, really uh, impressed me, their courage and their strength and valor on the street. So yeah. I said, this is the spirit I want. Yeah. This is what Malaysia should be. So you That's came into the picture, Datu Sri, and you rebranded MIFA. You know, it's now PJ City uh, Football Club. And, you know, this is an era where club owners like yourself, Datu Sri, are dishing out on foreign talent, foreign coaches, what have you. PJ City... Uh, 100% local and you aim to keep it that way. Maybe just uh, tell our listeners you know, about this mission, about this project. There's no real great pride in winning the league, so to speak. Being on top of the league when your top scorers and top players in the team are not from Malaysia at all. What's so Malaysian about that? I mean, um, to put it you know, bluntly, I watched France take the World Cup. And I watched Africa celebrate France taking the World Cup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because to be absolutely frank, it looked like an you know, Af- African team. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, here in Malaysia, we have the talent, we have the guts, we have what it takes to be the best in the world. Mm. You know, I, uh, for example, left this country without a penny to my name. I went out to, you know, essentially build a business. And uh, came back, you know, after having made my, you know, bones, so to speak, abroad, you see. And uh, if I can do this and and prove it on an international scale, I don't see why Mm. any Malaysian cannot do the same. I mean, when I see, uh, you know, for instance, Jimmy Chu, for example, and what he pulled off, uh, you know, Michelle Leo. I mean, these are people who show that we can and we do have the character. Mm. So, And not only in badminton, I mean, the Sidek brothers were in their time, quite a feat. But now Lizzie Ja has come out of nowhere. So I think football, which has been the one sport that has united all Malaysians, it is the one sport that, you know, 
What impressed me is when I went to see the Malaysia versus Vietnam game, and it's a 90,000 capacity stadium that was packed to the hilt. Everyone's screaming for, you know, Malaysia. I'm saying, wow. Yeah. Yeah. This is what I want to see. Yeah, it's not just the stadiums, right, Dato Sri? Marmarks all over uh, town. <laughs> you know, everyone felt united. And you're right, you know, football does bring the people together. But, you know, scoping a little bit into your club, PJCFC, uh, you're on to your third season now and you kick off uh, the new season against Malacca United this weekend, the 5th of March. Um, you've kept your word of your uh, hashtag Yakini local motto. Um, you signed seven local players for this upcoming campaign. Uh, what are your thoughts on on these new acquisitions? Well, uh, they are going to strengthen our team overall. One thing is they're all local, but at the same time, they have um, essentially added to the team value. Mm. There's no question about that. Uh, besides, uh, you know, the team that we have had previously, these guys basically uh, beefed up the team quite a bit. Actually, you know, uh, I have a lot of faith in these boys who have come in. Most of the time when we pick people, we look not just for the skill sets, but also for the mentality. So uh, when I see somebody um, on the ground, and, and especially, you know, my coaches, mm. uh, they have looked at people. The, the, the players I'm really looking up to are like Shivan Pile and Arun Kumar. Uh, centre-backs, the wingers, Marcus Ma, Eskumaran, uh, midfielders, Nasir, Basharuddin, Bharat Kumar, Sharvendran, and of course our goalkeeper, Mohamed Asfar Arif. So we have actually strengthened the team on all sides, and I think this is a team that can take on anyone. I'm looking for a Malaysian team, you know, a fully Malaysian team, and I believe that will happen. Mm. We look only at merit, how good you are on the field. That's the only thing that counts. Yeah. That's definitely a great merit to hold by because, you know, that perception, right, that foreign talent is always, quote-unquote, better. And, you know, as much as we love our local players, Dato Sri, do you think Malaysian football fans are biased towards foreigners? Unfortunately, you know, uh, from the 1980s uh, onwards, where our decline began in football, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, you see, when, when, when I grew up, it's not unusual to walk into a boy's room and see pictures of Mokhtar Hari, Admugam, James Wong, you know, on the wall, posters yeah. of them. Yeah. You know, uh, whereas, uh, you know, this changed a lot within the last couple of decades. We have kids today growing up more aware of, you know, Man U and Liverpool and Arsenal and uh, talking about players like Wayne Rooney and Beckham and so on and so forth. And, and my thinking is, you know, whatever happened to our grades? Mm. Because they were, they were truly, you know, in a class of their own. So I think, yes, there, there is a, a tendency. But then if you look at what happened to us playing against Laos, you know, I have to hit, hang my head, you see? You know, basically, because uh, in among the 10 nations in ASEAN, I would consider Laos to be right there at the bottom, you know. But Malaysia today cannot even, you know, compare against Singapore. So whatever happened? So yes, there is a bias, and that's one of the things I want to change. Yeah. And it's great that you're embarking on this mission, Dato Sri, because, you know, but, but some people might say, though, about PJCFC that, you know, the absence of foreign talent, people point to the money, right? Or the lack of money, rather. Do you think that's a fair assumption to make? Well, you see, uh, let me ask you something. Mm. When we get these foreign talents, so to speak, mm. we're not getting German players or Dutch players or English players. We're getting Brazilians, 
We're getting Cameroonians, Ivory Coast, you know, some of the poorest countries in the world come to Malaysia to play football. Mm. So my question to you is, what is the basic difference between a Kampong player here and some Kampong player in Senegal, for instance? You know, mm. I mean, if you look at the top players in the world today, they use names like Salah. And Egypt is not a rich country. You know, Salah basically comes from humble beginnings. My all-time icon is Pele. Mm. And Pele, again, comes from humble beginnings. So I'm saying to you, what's this deal with uh, foreign players with big, you know, paychecks? Yeah. Particularly when we are getting them from countries that are even poorer than Malaysia. You know, whatever Malaysian cannot do, what, you know, people talk to me about size. Yeah. That's another thing they talk about. They are preoccupied with the height and size. I'm saying, look at Messi. Look at Messi. All right. They are, most of our Malaysian squad is taller than him, bigger than him and stronger than him. And yet, he's one of the most formidable players on the planet. So, I'm saying Malaysia Pole. That was Tato Sri Vijay Iswaran, the owner of Pataling Jaya City Football Club. More of that conversation to come, so do stay tuned. This is Barnan on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, my name's Daryl Ong and you tune in to Bar None, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. This week on the program, we've been in conversation with Dato Sri Vijay Iswaran, the owner of Talinjaya City Football Club, ahead of the Super League, which kickstarts this weekend. A club that only employs local players with an aim to bring back the glory days of local talent in an age of foreign players and naturalisation. The latter being an ongoing debate on whether naturalised players should take the spot of our own homegrown talents. Here's Tatut Sri Vijay Iswaran with his thoughts on naturalisation. You see, uh, again, I, I look at it from a purely you know, a point of view of merit. Alright? Insofar as I'm concerned, um, naturalizing these players does not make them more Malaysian, mm. you know. And um, I, I, I'm guaranteeing you the French team all have French passports. But you see, you know, I would like our Malaysian team to be Malaysian. To be born in the soil is something that, you know, is special and something that we should uh, basically respect mm. and revere. So, you know, being Malaysian should be something. Tana Ae has a different meaning. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we say Tana Ae to someone who doesn't speak Malay properly? How do they understand, you know, the pride and ferocity to which, you know, we used to go to football games and how, you know, sitting in our rubber slippers, we scream out the name of our players. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I don't see that making Malaysian football better, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's still it's still a topic for much up for debate, right? There's still arguments happening on, on both sides. But talking a bit about your club, Dato Sri, PJCFC is on its third season, like I said. And you guys were thrown, I guess, into into the battle of Klang Valley alongside Slangor, of course, and KLC FC. From a personal experience and from the perspective of a football club owner, how has the journey been so far? It's just begun. You know, we are into our third season. Um, we began with, you know, the eighth position the first first time around. We moved yep. to seven and mm-hmm. we have held that despite the pandemic and all of the challenges therein. 
and losing some of our best players, you know, to injuries and so on. Um, I feel that we have just got past what they would say the first innings, as they would say in, in cricket. Yep. So we have just got our first win. We are getting into our second win. And I think it's about time that our team um, gel together. A coach takes some time. You know, you know, Pep, for example, took a while to get that you know, first-class team into place, that dream team into place. So uh, we have in the works of you know, Maniam a great coach, yeah. someone who has more of a father uh, figure to the, to the boys in many ways and great leadership. And I wish to see that now come into fruition. So I think, you know, this season we have matured. And this season we are ready to play some attacking football. That's nice. So yeah, like you mentioned, Dato, your debut season, you finished 8th in the Super League. Last season, 7. Yes. Onwards and upwards, right? Why are your uh, targets for this upcoming season? We need to be in the top 5. You know, I would be very surprised if we are not. And uh, maybe even better. Does it give you personal satisfaction, you know, being um, if you end up on top of Selangor or KLCFC? <laughs> I'm sure it does. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, they are both great teams, you know, and uh, we want to prove our point mm. that we can play as well as any team in the league. Mm. That's great. So, uh, looking a little bit into the future, like you mentioned, you know, uh, the club's fr- still pretty much in its infancy, but it's growing definitely steadily going upwards. What are your plans for, you know, you mentioned grassroots, right? Going down and, you know, unearthing hidden gems. Is there plans to start an academy or things like that? Absolutely, you know, which is why, you know, the whole concept of MIFA uh, and, and our humble beginnings in that uh, is something that has uh, uh, developed this idea somewhat. If I hadn't um, gone into this team per se, that's probably what I would have, you know, poured the money into. So now that the team has come about, now we need to provide the ammunition and that's going to come from an academy. Mm. And our tie-up, because of our long uh, relationship with Man City, Man City has been uh, you know, a great partner to us in many ways, mm. providing us a lot of support, including we have been able to bring in technical support from Man City to help train our boys. So the academy is on the cards, and it's something that we are working on. That's great. Uh, Talking a bit about that partnership with Manchester City, how did that come about? Well, when Man City came to us, that was also quite a while back before they even climbed the, uh, to the top of the league, you know, so to speak, EPL. Mm. Um, they weren't there yet. So at that point, we were deciding on sponsoring one of the teams. So we had the top three teams come and see us here in Malaysia. We met with them, talked to them. And uh, Man City actually... Uh, uh, were the most down-to-earth. Oh. All right? They were the most down-to-earth. They were the most pragmatic. And they approached us. There was no, you know, ass about them. They were not snobbish about who they were. And uh, they sent a great ambassador, all right, um, company, uh, who came down to meet with us. And and I love the fact that he went to play. We have a, a school for special kids. All right. And he went down to play football with them. Mm. And that was amazing. So we built a rapport very well, very fast. Mm. And right after we signed 
they won their first season. And uh, they have not come down since. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the lucky charm. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's been a very good journey. That's great. Mm. Yeah. So uh, we have built a very good relationship with them. That's nice. Uh, talking a bit about you know um, Malaysian football, and uh, you know we have you know the Super League, the Premier League, and we've seen many. It's almost like a revolving door of clubs, isn't it? Clubs come and go, come and go. What are your plans to keep uh, PJCFC sustainable and a mainstay in the local scene? Well, the important thing is, I think that you know over the last three years we have built a fan base, all right, and the fan base has surprised us. Actually, mm. it's growing, um, uh, and uh, Unfortunately, because of the pandemic, we're not able to see it visibly. But our interaction online and so on has been um, pretty awesome. And I think PJ is a place that we, uh, it's home for me, essentially. And it's a home for a whole myriad of people. Mm. Uh, and um, and uh, we you know, associate ourselves with being in PJ, being part of PJ, and the fabric of PJ. So our, even our stadium, uh, which is, you know, MBPJ yep. as our home stadium mm. has, uh, you know, basically taken on our colors and our team actually goes out to play there. It's amazing when they come out there to play. It's like they're on home ground. So we want to keep on building that in place and building our fan base because it's all about fans. Yeah, 100%. And, but I think what's really nice and neat is that every time we win, doesn't matter who we play, there's a whole bunch of support from all over the country simply because we are local. Yeah, I think that's one thing you guys definitely have in your locker for sure, that whole local yeah. aspect, right? And, and you're right, you know, building a football club is not just about the 11 players or so on the pitch. It's about building a whole culture and, you know, like Newcastle, for example, you take Newcastle, they're actually helping out with, you know, the Newcastle City as well, you know, doing things in schools and stuff like that. So it's not just about what happens on the pitch, right, but around it as well. Absolutely. I'm, I'm very confident that um, our approach mm. uh, will keep on building um, not just the fan base, but also uh, the whole Malaysian, the Malaysian-ness of football. Mm. And that there is, there is a discussion that's ongoing that I've heard uh, come from various other uh, teams and so on, talking about the fact that we need to have more Malaysian our players on the ground. Uh, our um, coach of Malaysia now, Lim Tiong, uh, Lim Tiong Gan. Kim. Kim, Kim, Kim. Yeah. Mm. Uh, he mentioned in the last interview that, you know, we need to cut down from five players to three. The quota, yeah. That's, that's a start. That's mm. a start. I'm, I think uh, Kim is on the right track. All right, that was really a couple of last couple of questions. You were talking about whole identity of PJ and stuff like that. And it's great because I'm, I'm, from PJ as well, so I'm happy to hear that. But are there plans for you in the future, at least, you know, to invest uh, into football in your hometown of Penang? Well, Penang is, uh, has got some very emotional drawstrings because of the fact that it's my hometown. But, you know, for the last uh, 30 years, PJ is home. So at the moment, I'm very focused on, you know, being in PJ and part mm. of PJ City. Mm. A bit on a sentimental note now, what are the, some of the lessons you've learned since you've been at the helm? I've learned that um, it, doesn't mean the, it doesn't mean you win simply because you are more skilled. I think a lot of it has to do with mindset. And, you know, I spend more time with the boys, talking to them, setting their mindset, 
making them into warriors, so to speak. Mm. Because I think that's where it comes from. When we are confident, everything is possible. So one of the most important lessons I feel as Malaysians is to, you know, uh, believe in ourselves and, you know, believe that we can achieve whatever we set out to believe, uh, set out to do. So Yakini local, as we say, uh, has many meanings to us. But most of all, it boils down to belief. That's great. That's a last question. What are your plans for the season ahead, you know, and personal expectations for 2022? Well, I believe that the light is there at the end of the tunnel. 2022 uh, harkens a time where the pandemic will eventually wind its way out. And I'm not going to be uh, prophetic about this, but I, I am hoping and praying that that turns out to be true. And because if that were to happen, then see, football is nothing without the stadiums and the fans. And getting the fans back into the stadiums is, is critical to the survival of football. So um, I think 2022 is going to be very interesting. But having said that, I also feel that the uh, fact that we have become more virtual and online has actually opened us up to a bigger and wider audience. Yeah. You know, I get Malaysians watching our games sitting in Australia, you know, sitting in the UK, uh, you know, uh, watching us play and giving us comments. And, and that's amazing. And the advance of technology has changed the game. So um, I am hoping that this will be the year, our year. That was Dato Sri Vijay Iswaran, the owner of Pataling Jaya City Football Club. And with that, we've come to the end of this week's Barn None. If you'd like to revisit that interview, you can head over to our website real soon, www.bfm.my forward slash Barn None. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can tweet us at BFM Radio. My name's Daryl Ong and this has been Bar None, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. Join us again next week, only here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.